I'm preaching on fasting uh, to get us ready for our three-week fast starting next week that Kiara referenced. And I'm excited about this too because, and I don't just say that because I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to be. Um, fasting, um, while it can feel like a sacrifice, We'll see this morning in Matthew chapter 9 what Jesus says uh, and how it's to be that which receives new wine. And what does Jesus mean by that? <laughs> and we're going to look at that deeply this morning. What does Jesus mean and why is that good news for us to position ourselves to experience more of Him? There's a fasting guide in the foyer. You'll be getting, you'll email to fasting, the fasting guide, texted the fasting guide this week. Please look at what is fasting? How do I fast? In other words, what are different ways I can fast? It's not just food. There's social media, other things too. And also, why do we fast? Of course, we'll look at that deeply this morning. The fasting guide speaks to the many reasons we fast as well. And during the fast, we're going to be in Romans 8 together, meditating on the Word of God. Because how many of you know that when we fast, one of the key things we do is we meditate on the Word of God in place of that from which we're abstaining, right? We're not just not seeking and not, we're not not eating and not seeking. That would really stink. Like, that would just be like an adventure and missing the point. Right? Like, um, and I do think the fast could still bring breakthrough. We know what you're doing, but it would be hard not to grow weary in doing good. I encourage us to seek him in place um, of that from which we're abstaining. So today we're going to look at, let me see if this is, what is fasting? What is the new wine skin from this passage? What is the new wine and why do we fast? So if you'll turn with me on your devices or look on the screen behind me at Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 17. And please stand in honor of God's Word with me this morning. And let's read out loud together this morning. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast." No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Amen. The word of the Lord. You can be seated. <clears throat> well, I heard the Lord saying this week, Charge my people. Charge my people. As for you, know God, and serve Him with a whole heart and a willing mind. If you seek Him, 
He will let you find him. So know God. Seek after the Lord with a whole heart. There is a wineskin in this passage through which we do this. And first, Jesus refers in this passage to mourning. He says that fasting is tied to mourning somehow. That we fast when we yearn, we ache, and we long for. And that's still true today. That they fasted because they mourned. They longed for a Messiah that might establish a kingdom to overthrow Rome who occupied them. They might have had some misconceptions about what this Messiah would bring. They certainly had misconceptions about who this Messiah was, right? As he stood before them and in front of them that day, they did not recognize him. Um, maybe some of John's disciples did, as some of them would come and be baptized by Jesus uh, in other passages. But, but they mourned and they longed for something. We too long for something, but it's a little different, right? We know that the Messiah came, and he's there in this passage talking to them, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We know that he ascended, and that he will come again. And we long, and we yearn, and we ache for being with him fully, right? And so we, there's a sense in which we mourn. We position, as we did in worship and song this morning, for lovesickness. We position ourselves to get in touch with what we should be. And that's lovesick in some sense that we're not with Him fully, though He manifests Himself to us. Though, like in an engagement, there's still interaction and deep, meaningful relationship. There's still visitation right? He comes and He meets with us. He abides with us. He's one with us. And when we're with Him fully, only then will we know Him fully. So there's a sense in which we too yearn and ache. It's just for different reasons than they did. And you know, some uh, think that, well, this that Jesus refers to was to fast between His death and resurrection. And we know that's not true because in the scriptures, they fasted after the resurrection. And secondly, in Matthew 25, Jesus also refers to himself as the bridegroom, like he does here. Here, he refers to his ascension. There, he refers to his return. And so we know that the days to which he refers that we're supposed to fast in are between his ascension and his second coming. That the days that we're supposed to fast between when the bridegroom ascended and when he'll return to us, his bride, the church, are these days, the last 2,000 plus years, the days in which we're supposed to fast. And I'm reminded of... Um, I'm not there yet, sorry. All right. <laughs> um, and so... David caught something of the heart of God, though, uh, regarding fasting, because the reasons that they fasted in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, according to the law of Moses, one, um, they fasted uh, twice a week. They established this, but God never asked them to do that. You see, God said, I want you to fast on the most holy day in the Jewish calendar, the Day of Atonement. That's when he particularly asked them to fast. But... 
they, they added to fast twice a week in principle or as a law. And Jesus says elsewhere that their motivation for fasting, at least often, was to impress other people. And um, I know what that's like, right? I mean, they were more pious than me. I never fasted to impress other people. But I used to, that used to be all I cared about was to impress other people, right? So we can all relate to these religious leaders that they cared more about what people thought than what God thought. And so I know for me, there were wounds and lies in my life that kept me in that place. I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, like I just care for how I perform for people, not to let people down or to be accepted or approved by people. And it's not even out of a desire at all to honor God. So I can relate to the Pharisees and other religious leaders of that day and their motivation to fast. But that is not why Jesus calls us to fast. It wasn't until the Lord came in like a flood and raised up a standard against the enemy in my life that he brought me more into alignment with what new covenant fasting is, with what kingdom fasting is, with what the new wineskin is, rather than the old wineskin. I was living in the old wineskin. I was living underneath my identity in Christ as though he hadn't come and died and rose again and conquered sin and death. Consider what David said. And John sang this this morning in so many words. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Now this is so long before the new covenant on one hand, and yet I think David captures God's heart here. He has a revelation of the heart of God that ties back to why we fast today. He says, you've not desired nor required sacrifice and offering that I do this twice a week, that I put my head down and do this in principle. No, he says, my ears you have opened. Do you know in the New Testament, or excuse me, in the Old Testament, that when a slave, uh, that word uh, opened, to have the ears open, means to cut, to dig, or to pierce. And that when a slave had the opportunity by law to now go free, that they could choose to stay with their master. And if they did, the sign of this is they would have their ear pierced to the doorpost. And they would have a hole in their ear as this sign of, I choose to stay with my master. What is David getting at here? He says, no, the heart of God is not that I give him things out of sacrifice. It's that I give him myself. Is that I come under his lordship. That I come into alignment with who he is and who he says I am. And that in his role as lord and master, I am free. In this place in relationship, I stand rightly before God, that he wants us. He wants his bride and he wants us to seek him. And what I'm going to call today kingdom fasting, his kingdom right is where he rules and reigns unto our freedom. It's where he makes right what's wrong or missing 
And when he does, it brings freedom and restores all things, right? And so I'm going to call this kingdom fasting, that the new wineskin in this passage is kingdom fasting. Kingdom fasting receives new wine. New wineskins receive new wine. And in our fasting guide, we say, simply put, fasting is abstaining from food or an activity for the purpose of seeking the Lord with more focus. Fasting is not an attempt to manipulate or control God. Rather, we fast when we remind ourselves to want Him more than anything else. We refuse, in refusing to satisfy our earthly hunger or habits, we express our hunger for His presence, and He responds. It's rooted in hunger for God and encountering God. And if the fasting of Judaism was an old wineskin, then the new fasting, kingdom fasting, is the new wineskin. The new wineskin that receives the gospel and tells us God already approves us through Christ's finished work on the cross. And Jesus is saying the law of Moses and the additional laws of Judaism that they heaped upon those laws are old wine. And he says the gospel, the good news of Jesus that Caroline was praying into, the good news of Jesus is the new wine. That the that kingdom fasting is the new wineskin and that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the new wine. Jesus reconciled us to a relationship with the Lord when he came and died and rose again and he lives forevermore. And there's a new covenant now, a new deal in his blood where we now receive all that he purchased for us as we did in worship earlier. One author and pastor says, what's new about the fasting is that it rests on all this finished work of the bridegroom. The yearning that we feel for revival or awakening or deliverance from corruption is not merely longing and aching. The first fruits of what we long for have already come. The down payment of what we yearn for is already paid. The fullness that we're longing for and fasting for has appeared in history and we've beheld His glory. It's not merely future. The spirit of the bridegroom is gathering and purifying a bride for himself. This is the new wine. That he's gathering more people in to the family. The new wine is the gospel unto salvation for those who believe. And purification, that's sanctification, that's becoming more like Jesus by the power of God for those who are already in Christ. He's making ready a prepared bride, a pure bride for his return. The new wineskin is kingdom fasting and new wine the gospel of Jesus. And rather than fasting according to the law, we fast to lay hold of the kingdom that's already in our midst. Rather than fasting and mourning for a Messiah to come for the first time, we fast and acknowledge and agree that he's come 
and he will come again, that his kingdom is not yet. And we contend for those not yet places, again, knowing that he has died and rose again, conquering sin and death, and he's coming and he's returning And one commentator says, The bridegroom is not here with us, but has ascended to the Father for a time, so he sent his Holy Spirit. Therefore, like in so many things, we live in an already but not yet state of celebrating the good news of life found only in him, but also fasting as we long for his return to make all things new. And when he comes... We know from his word that he'll come as a bridegroom. And in this passage, he makes a reference to himself as God by calling himself a bridegroom. This is a big deal. Jesus, who is God in this passage? Jesus, the bridegroom. In the Old Testament, you may know that God referred to himself as a husband to Israel several times. Uh, Isaiah 62, Ezekiel 16, Hosea 2, uh, Jeremiah 2. He calls himself a husband. And here Jesus is saying, as God, I am a husband to the church. And like I said, in Matthew 25, he calls himself bridegroom as well. He makes a tremendous claim for himself here in this parable to John's disciples. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is our gift that we receive in part through fasting. Like, when we position ourselves as poor in spirit, as hungry and thirsty for the Lord, He promises to fill us. He promises to manifest Himself to us by His Spirit to encounter us. And like Caroline said, it's not always a feeling. We can't predict, we can't predict or... Uh, or it may not be as we expected in how we encounter him, but he promises to fill us and we taste and see that he's good unto knowing him more and becoming more like him. Consider that when the bridegroom returns, we'll be like him because we've seen him. 1 John 3, 2. And that when the bridegroom returns, we will know him fully as we're fully known. 1 Corinthians 13. So if the ultimate aim of God is that we're like Jesus, made in His image, restored to His image, right? And that we know Him fully. And that the kingdom of God is in our midst right now. That we have access to Him now. That He wants us to know Him more fully and to become more like Him. Like, this is the aim of God. (laughs) To know Him more fully and become more like Him in these last days. And fasting is one of the ways that we position ourselves in addition to being in community together. Prayer, Bible study, mission, worship. So why do we fast? Lastly, we fast to position ourselves in personal and corporate renewal and local and global advancement of God's kingdom. First of all, personal and corporate renewal. In the Old Testament, we see the kind of fast that God chose. What I love about God is that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And though eras change, right? Though we have a new covenant in the blood of Jesus, 
That God's heart is always the same. It's why I can quote David about the motivations of our heart, right? About how we relate to God, even though he was in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, Isaiah, the Lord said through Isaiah, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them. One of the ways that we clothe the naked and we feed the hungry through fasting is that fasting acts as intercession that brings about these kinds of social transformations, that compels somebody somewhere else to go and create a ministry that clothes the naked and feeds the hungry. But also, <laughs> there's personal transformation where through fasting, God compels us to go and feed the hungry and clothe the naked, to position our lives, not just in fasting, right? But in obedience to what he said to do. And in fasting, we position ourselves to hear him. In fasting, we position ourselves for transformation that makes us more like him, that looks like compassion to go and do the things that Jesus does. How about when he says, to untie the cords of the yoke, to break every yoke, to set the oppressed free. This is the kind of fasting I've chosen. Jesus said in the Gospels, this kind of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. I don't understand it, but he said it, so I believe it. There's mystery in it, but there's no question about it. That the only way certain demons flee is through fasting. And so when we position ourselves to fast, brothers and sisters, together in this season, we believe that elsewhere and possibly in our own lives, that the Lord is setting us free. Setting people free. Breaking, he said, every yoke. I don't know what that means either. But I know the Hebrew, I think it means every in Hebrew. I'm not a scholar. But my Bible says every yoke. Let me make sure. Okay, yep, every yoke. All right. Um, and I mentioned getting in touch with our love sickness. Paul said we would prefer to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. And by tasting and seeing he's good, I said before, we become more like him. On deliverance, I just think of stories from our own church, right? Where people have been set free from decades and generations of bondage through our fast, our corporate fast in past years. Um, and they've testified to it, saying, yeah, the Lord set me free from this thing. I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And God revealed it through fasting. And so we position ourselves for for deliverance, for freedom. How about joy? That in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. When we position ourselves not just to abstain from, but to seek His face, then we experience His joy. I was, I was picturing Him as, as Caroline challenged us to look on Him with our hearts. I was picturing Him 
with this big smile. Like he's not stoic or mad. Uh, he was, he's anointed with the oil of joy above all his companions. He's not angry or threatened or afraid. He's really happy to be with us. And Jesus is full of joy. I heard the Lord say this week in prayer, marry me. Marry me. <laughs> and I thought, is that the enemy's voice? No. Is that my voice? No, because there's, there's biblical precedent for that. Um, and I think, you know, that's a word for the church, right? It's like Jesus is just saying, like, come deeper, come closer into this with me because the day is coming. The wedding day is coming, right? And so when we position ourselves, we get faith from the word. Okay. Local and global advancement. Much like I said about personal and social transformation, um, you know, we position through fasting as intercession. Laborers, or we, we, we actually join God and partner with God to awaken laborers for the harvest and to save laborers from the harvest. Do you understand? God is after earnestly asking for laborers for a ripe harvest. Like people want Jesus. They want to come to the Lord. They just don't know his name yet. They just don't know what he's like yet. They want the Lord. They don't know they're worthy of his forgiveness. But Jesus says, you're worthy of the gospel. There's good news. I don't hold your sins against you. <laughs> There's good news. No strings attached. I don't hold your sins against you. Come. Come to the wedding supper. Come and be part of the church, the bride of Christ. Come and be saved and be with me forever. Amen. And so when we talk about local and global advancement of God's kingdom, fasting is a wineskin that produces this, that causes the laborers to come for and from the harvest through prayer, through fasting. John, if you can come and play as I conclude here soon. I shared this last year when I preached on fasting um, okay, you can see it on that side. Um, six rewards of fasting. I'm just going to read through these. Jesus said in the New Testament, he said that when you fast in secret, that the fa your Father will reward you. And so the Lord actually rewards us in fasting. It's not why we do it, but it's a result of doing it is that the Lord rewards us. He tenderizes our hearts so that we feel His presence more. He changes our desires and enlarges our desire for righteousness. He increases our understanding of the Word. And receiving prophetic dreams, I could testify to this, guys, that when I position myself in, myself in poverty of spirit, that there often, not always, is an uptick in prophetic activity. In hearing from the Lord, dreams that mean something for someone, that bear fruit in due season. And um, so that's fun. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's fun to be in the kingdom. I like it. It makes our bodies healthier. So there's physical benefits. It changes what we desire to eat and drink. Strengthens our sense of identity. I'm reminded uh, on the, the fun part, 
um, on things that don't seem fun, but actually are when you're experiencing them because it's God's grace that's upholding you. Um, so I did, a, I fasted for 14 days in one of the fasts a, a few years ago. And after those 14 days, the Lord had me up in the night, every night for 14 days thereafter. It was 14 nights in the third and fourth watch of the night. And it was just, I was just compelled by the love of Christ. This is not my piety, guys. <laughs> this is the power of God. And I wasn't tired the next day. And it was just this, like, just to speak, to testify. Um, it's something that happened in my experience. And, um, and I think the number in that is obviously significant, too. And I'm not going to get into that now. But, um, yeah, so the Lord was speaking on a number of levels in that. And then telling, you know, showing me what to pray. And, and I just believe that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And I know I'm a righteous man because of the blood of Jesus. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I fasted right? <laughs> but because of the blood of Jesus. And so he lets us join in with him. And that sounds like, oh my gosh, that sounds so awful. <laughs> but it wasn't because of the grace of God. And so uh, strengthens our sense of identity. Our identity becomes rooted in knowing God's affection for us as he already approves of us. And we receive his approval that we receive the gospel through fasting. Oh, it's early. Fasting plays a part in the fulfillment of God's promise. <laughs> it, plays a full, it plays a part in the fulfillment of God's promises. Think about Cornelius in the, Old, or in the New Testament, rather. He fasts and prays, and his family comes to Christ, um, opens a door to the Gentiles. Uh, you and me, or those of us who are non-Jewish, uh, opens a door to the Gentiles to be saved. Uh, thereafter, um, Daniel prayed and fasted for a nation, right? For Israel. Um, and so we see biblical precedent for fasting for our families, fasting for nations to fulfill promises of the promises of God, right? The Lord said, ask of me and I'll give you, the Lord said to Jesus, Father said to Jesus, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. How many of you know the nations belong to Jesus? So when I say fulfill a promise, <laughs> I mean every place on earth will burn incense of prayer and worship to Jesus. The Bible says, again, it's another Hebrew, no trick, every place, every nation. <laughs> it means every place, every nation. The College of Prayer, one ministry in the earth, just one, is in 176 of 215 nations today. That's one ministry. I believe that the Lord, His throne is being established in every place, and it's a lot closer than we think to every place. And so I just prophesy in agreement with the Word of God that every place will fall to the kingdom of God, right? The Bible says every knee, every knee, <laughs> every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, as a practical application for us, of course, I call us to do this fast together, <laughs> to join 
in together to do the fast. Now, as I said, in the fasting guide, there's a lot of ways to fast. And I just encourage you, ask Jesus, what do you want me to do this year? I feel like for me, every year it's different. Um, And so... Uh, and just seeking the Lord. Sometimes I'm not sure what to do by the time the fast starts. It's okay. Um, You know, just ask the Lord and seek His counsel. Um, But yeah, as we do this together, I do believe too that we grow in corporate unity of the faith and unity of the knowledge of Jesus together. And there's something about that unity that's super important to Jesus. And that's why we do some of these things together sometimes. Um, and so, but secondly, on a practical note, I did this last year. I just want to encourage us to grow in the grace of fasting. Because fasting, I mentioned it's a new wineskin here in this passage that Jesus talks about. That it's a spiritual discipline like prayer in the Word of, in Bible study. Like fasting is a spiritual discipline. <laughs> and so I exhort us to fast regularly. Now, for you, for one, it may, and, and I want to grow in this grace together. So by growing in grace, I mean relative to yourself, not to compare, not compared to someone else. And so for you, if it starts out one day a month, I want to fast from food or from social media. And then you grow in it over time. I just encourage us to do that like any other spiritual discipline. And, and talk and check in with Jesus about it. What does he want me to do in this season? Because we're following a person, right? It's in a relationship. It's not void of relationship or it's not like twice a week because the law says twice a week. That's not, that's not the new wineskin. The new wineskin is rooted in relationship. But I want to grow in fasting with you guys, in the spirit of fasting and in the activity of fasting and learning what that means. To increase both encounters with His glory and suffering at longing for Him. It's worth it to ache for Him and be more fully alive and see His kingdom come and be at work in and through your life. As we consider fasting as a way of seeking the Lord, becoming more like Him, experiencing kingdom transformation, I want to encourage us with the charge that I did at first to know the Lord, to serve Him wholeheartedly. You know that word wholehearted? Whole, the word whole there means shalom. Shalom means welfare, well-being, or to be made whole. It's the peace of Christ. But in the the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for peace, it's not the absence of fear, right? It's the presence of Christ to bring peace this wholeness. The Bible says, unite my heart to fear your name. (laughs) That we can't serve God with, and that word for mind there is soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Um, We can't serve God with our whole heart. We can't serve God with our our whole soul apart from healing, apart from freedom, right? And that this is a journey, this side of heaven for us. And so the call is to serve me increasingly as I heal your heart as I make you whole. That word to know God is yada, as a man and woman know each other in marriage. It's the encounter, right, (laughs) with the living God. Not merely a Bible study or a fast. It's the encounter. It's to know Him more. And that word to serve 
It's the slave. It's the hole in the ear because the Lord has opened our ears, right? <laughs> we, he's our master. There's a name for him in the scriptures, Adonai, master. He's not just our savior, right? He's our Lord. And where the spirit of the Lord is as Lord of our lives, there is freedom. And so I encourage us to know him, to serve him with our whole heart, to seek him, and he will let us find him. I love that verse. I heard someone say, he hides for us, not from us. <laughs> he hides for us. He's saying, seek me. He's saying, it's to my glory to conceal a matter, but to your glory to search it out. And so let's seek the Lord together in fasting in this season, receiving the gospel unto the passion of Christ and freedom and wholeness that he paid for, for us. Amen. Amen.